a boy got a really bad report card. He came home with really bad marks on his report card, and he knew he would be in trouble with his dad, uh, and so he began to plot a course of action to try to mitigate the, the calamity as best as he could. And so he handed the report card to his dad. His dad opened it, looked it over, and was quiet, you know. And, and so the son decided to take a little preemptive action. He said, Dad, he said, I just don't understand. He said, I don't understand. I don't understand that bad report card. He said, I can't figure out whether it's my heredity or my environment that's causing me to get these bad grades. <laughs> well, the, the son may not have been learning much from his books, but he had, he had been learning, hadn't he, how to play the victim. It's not my fault, you know. It's my heredity. It's my environment that I'm being brought up in. It's, these bad grades, they're bad grades for sure, but it's not my fault. Something else is going on here, and that's the reason why. He's learning to play the victim. You know, a lot of people are sort of that way in reality in life, and that is that they, they claim that they are what they are, and it's really not, it's out of their control, really. That they are what they are because of their heritage, uh, you know, their ancestors made them this way, or the environment that they live in has caused them to be the way that they are. That they sort of take the very idea that that young man was suggesting, that they're just mere victims of things that are beyond their control. But that's not so. That is absolutely not so. The Bible tells us that we have the power of choice. It belongs to us. We can choose to be what we want to be. There are way too many people in this world who are living below their true potential, failing to make the right choices that will help them have a happy and fulfilled life now and give them the wonderful prospect of heaven in eternity. People just not choosing right. It's not victimhood. It's not beyond my power. I can choose. We all have this power of choice. The Scriptures talk about some great heroes who demonstrated that power of choice. In the book of Hebrews, Moses is listed in chapter 11 as one of those great heroes of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, Moses made a choice. That's what makes him one of the great heroes of our faith. It was by virtue of the choice that he made. I want to tell you, that would have been a hard choice, too. Uh, in the position that he was, he could have enjoyed all the, all the advantages of what was likely the richest empire in the world at that time. But he made a conscious choice to be with the people of God, to suffer with them rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses made a choice. We remember him because of that. When Moses passed on the... The, the leadership of Israel came to the great man Joshua, who is also a great hero of the faith. And notice the famous statement of Joshua near the end of his life. He challenged the children of Israel by saying, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the God which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Notice, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua put it to them, You have this choice. It's up to you. You make the determination. No one could make it for them, but they could certainly make it themselves. Choose you this day, he said. But then he went on to explain, I know for me, I've already made the choice myself. I'm certain about my choice. And he was certain that he'd be able to influence his family in that direction as well. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One more. 
There's lots of these, right, in the Old Testament. But one more that stands out in our memory of a, a person who made a powerful choice to do the right thing is the young man Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We talk about some tough circumstances. Here Daniel was a young man taken as a captive of war, taken away from his home and his family, taken to a strange land. But when he got there, certain temptations were put before him. Would he be true to God or would he defile himself after the manner of the pagan people that had him captive? He chose, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. We would say he made up his mind. He made a determination. He chose to do the right thing. And so our lesson today deals with that idea of making choices. Just like those people we were just describing, Moses and Joshua and Daniel, we have the choice. And we really are what we choose to be. We can't put that off on anything else. We can't claim that we're victims. We can't, we can't declare it's beyond our power or our control. We have the choice to be what we ought to be. And we want to talk about that just briefly in our lesson this morning. Let's stop here for just an instant. We didn't do this yet. We need to thank everyone for being here. We have a, a really beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee and a great privilege to be able to be together to worship God. And we thank you for being here to be a part of it. We appreciate you and we draw great encouragement from you. We have visitors today. We're grateful for our visitors. Please come back. Uh, whenever you can. And we, we look forward to your visits and we're open to any questions that you might have about our work here at College View. But we thank everyone for being here this morning. What about the idea of making choices? It's easy to talk about choices, right? It's easy to talk about making the right choices. Uh, it's easy to say we could change our lives if we always made the right choices. But the big question is how? How can we make the right choices? I think the Bible tells us that too. The Bible gives us information about how we can be making right choices that will push us uh, in the right directions. The first thing that I would suggest to you is that we need to control our thoughts. The Bible urges us to do that. We've often said thoughts precede actions. You think about something before you do something, right? Thoughts precede actions. That's, that's obviously true. A couple of weeks ago when we interviewed a couple of counselors on the virtual Bible study and we were talking about the problems of addiction, they used an expression that's very similar. We, I've been saying thoughts precede actions. They said what the mind dwells on, the body acts upon. It's true, right? You think about it, then you do it. And that's why it's so important then to control your thoughts. Be in control of what's going on in your mind. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's just the way it is, right? What you think about is what you become. Jesus said it this way. In Luke chapter 6, beginning verse 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. So, so clear that what we think about affects what we do, and that's why we have to control our thoughts. You know, we were talking on that same program about of the virtual Bible study, one of the very addictive things that's going on in our society today. We were talking about addiction, and specifically we talked about addiction to pornography. And as was pointed out, and as we understand, that when we allow ourselves to think on that, then that leads to other sins. Uh, uh, one thing leads to another. I think about something. I allow it to, my thoughts to dwell upon that something. 
then I begin to act out on that that I've been thinking about, and then that leads to more sin. That's the progression that we fear so much. It's not limited to pornography alone. It's, it, there's a whole host of things that would fit in that same category. You think about it, you end up doing it, and it escalates. you got to control your thought processes. Paul talked about thought control in the famous text that Ricky read for us just a few moments ago from Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. We're commanded to think. Did you notice every one of the things that Paul mentions there is a positive thing? We're commanded to dwell on positive things. And so, uh, it's not just evil immoral things like pornography that would be on the negative side. There are other negative thoughts that we can allow ourselves to dwell on, and it, and it diminishes us when we dwell on that which is not positive. A lot of people, and unfortunately even uh, some of God's people, constantly dwelling on negative things, always searching for something to complain about, something maybe even to cause trouble about. And when they do that, it affects not only themselves, but it also affects others when we are not controlling our thoughts, letting ourselves dwell on things other than the positive things that Paul said we ought to be dwelling on. So, make right choices. How, how am I going to do that? The very first principle is you've got to think right. Control your thoughts, what's going on in your mind. What else could you add to that list? I think some of the things we're going to put up here are going to be pretty obvious. Another thing that's going to help me live right and do right is i got to watch the company that I'm in. The classic text on this is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. The King James says, uh, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. The New American Standard Version says, Bad company corrupts good morals. And that's a truth that's been around forever. I mean, really, ever since time began, this has been a, a true principle. Uh, you're around bad company. It's going to rub off on you, and they're going to have an effect on you. You've got to control the people that you are around. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A newer English translation of that phrase says, Do not let the world force you into its mold. Think about that. That's what the world is really trying to do, isn't it? It's trying to force us into its mold. The world is trying to fashion us to be like it is. We're not supposed to let that happen. That's exactly what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What's the problem, though? The problem is sometimes we become more concerned about how the world views us than how God views us. We, you know, this is a more immediate thing. We don't have we don't have the spiritual maturity to see that that's not nearly as important as what God thinks about us, and so we begin to let the world fashion us after its mold, uh, and and so we begin to dress like the world. Uh, we begin to talk like worldly people talk. We begin to go to the places that they go, do the things that they do. Why? Because we're worried how they're looking at us. Well, how how do we look to them? Uh, we are allowing that evil influence, the influence of the world, to impact us. We're more concerned about that than what God thinks, and it's evidence. It becomes evident in our life. We've let bad company corrupt us, right? 
And so if we're going to make right choices and go in the right direction and be the kind of people that God wants us to be, we've got to watch the company that we keep. That is not, by the way, just the in-person company we keep. You know, uh, certainly we would tell people, you, you, can't, you can't go out here and associate with a bunch of worldly people uh, w- without concern that they will influence you to do wrong. That would be true. But that's not the only way we can be an evil company. If I watch a whole bunch of horrible shows on TV and take my entertainment from all the evil that's present in the world as is depicted on TV, and, I, and, and hours a day I fill my mind and allow myself to... So I, I'm not controlling my thoughts. And then I'm really allowing myself to be in the company of that sort of people. Maybe not in person, one-on-one, but I invite them into my home and watch them on my TV or I pay my money and I go to the movies and I watch that horrible stuff on the movies. I'm in the bad company, right? And it's beginning to fashion me after that mold rather than after godly things. And so, if you want to make right choices, you have got to control the company that you are in. And then... Another point in this analysis of how to make right choices in my life, I've got to exercise my will. I've just got to do it. I saw a news story a while back about a, a man who weighed a thousand pounds. And what was amazing about so a thousand pound man is incredible to start with. But what was even more amazing in the story was that he'd gained a hundred pounds in the last six weeks. Gained a hundred pounds in six weeks. I'm telling you, that's an act of the will, right? You know, you can't, even a thousand pound man can't gain a hundred pounds in six weeks unless he's really trying to do it, right? Well, that's obviously a bad exercise of, of the will, but we need to exercise our will and our determination in right ways. We just got to do it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, the reason I want to cite that verse to you is to simply say, God said to do it, and therefore it is possible to be done, right? God does not command us to do the impossible. It wouldn't be in his just nature to ask of us to do that which can't be done. So the very fact that he says we can't overcome evil and that we must overcome evil suggests that it is possible. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning verse 4, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. In our introduction, we suggested the idea that's become so popular, prevalent in our world today, that idea of playing the victim. It's not my fault. It's out of my control. Uh, That's not true. And this would be one of the verses that we would use to prove that. You're going to bear your own burden. Every man will bear his own burden. Prove your own work. Paul says. So do the right thing. It's expected of you. and Don't pass it off on someone else. It's your responsibility. In Jude, verse 21, it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. No, keep yourselves in uh, the love of God. It's your job. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but uh, the church has really let me down, you know. Uh, they just haven't been doing much for me, and and uh, I'm I'm discouraged, and and oh, I'm not getting much out of it, and, and I, I feel like I feel like the church has been a big failure in my life. What am I doing there? Playing the victim, right? It's my job to keep myself in the love of God. If there's some problem in the church that 
that is uh, needs corrected, then we can work on correcting that too. But uh, bottom line, it's my job, right? Keep yourself in the love of God. Several years ago, the Nike Athletic Company had the, had the slogan that became quite popular, just do it, just do it. Uh, and they, they were using that in terms of physical exercise. Just do it. Get out there and do it. Well, this certainly applies to spirituality too. Just do it. Just do the right thing. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Notice the expression, whosoever will. So often when we cite this verse, we use it to, to emphasize the idea that whosoever, anybody, everybody, all are invited to come and participate uh, in the blessings provided through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever will. That's you, that's me, that's everybody. This is an invitation open to all, and that's a wonderful thing. But did you ever think about the word will? Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. No, you have to exercise your will. It's for everybody, but it's up to you to do it, to exercise your will and make it happen. So, uh, again, you've got to exercise your will. What's important to you? What are your goals and objectives? What have you set your heart upon? What are you determined to do? You know, uh, all of us need to spend some time meditating upon that. What are, your, what are the values of your life? What's it all about anyway? Out near where Joel lives, there was, a, I was talking to Nick about this yesterday. Uh, there was a fellow out there who owned over a thousand acres worth of property, had all kinds of animals and possessions, and uh, even owned lots of property in other places as well. But he lived as a true hermit. Uh, uh, Joel and I dealt with him occasionally about some animals, and when we did, you know, he, he was... He was crippled, he'd lost a leg, uh, couldn't walk. Uh, they drove him around in an old school bus, that they, a handicapped school bus. They could wheel him up in a wheelchair into his bus. When we would go to negotiate with him, we'd get in the bus with him. He was nice, he was always very nice, but he was dirty, he was unkept. Uh, the man was worth millions and millions of dollars. He died with no heir. No one to even leave his money. He didn't use his money himself. He didn't, and he didn't even have anybody to leave the money to. Uh, he, they, he, he left his money to the University of Tennessee and all Tennessee, all the university did was turn around and sell it because to get the money out of it and everything that he had is gone. And what does his life stand for? What's the purpose of it? Well, life wasted, right? Because he didn't exercise his will to do what he should have been doing in his life. All that's gone for nothing. What about you? Will you exercise your will to do God's will in your life? Make that choice. Just be determined to do that. Finally, let me suggest to you, and I think this list can be expanded, but I think these are four principles that are really going to help if we will stick to these guidelines. Making right choices is going to depend on controlling your thoughts and the company you keep, just doing it, exercising your willpower, and understanding your weaknesses is also going to be important. Almost all of us have been through the experience of dieting. And so when you're dieting, what is that? Well, it's got to be an exercise of the will, right? Uh, if you're going to diet, you've got to exercise your determined will. 
But you also have to know where you're weak. And you got, you got to understand where your weaknesses are and then steer yourself away from those. I tell Cindy whenever we're trying to diet that she's just got to get the junk food out of the house. It cannot be there. If there's a bag of chips in the pantry and I know it's there, I will find it. You know, if, if there are cookies, I will eat them. And the only way we're going to get this done is I got, I, I got to understand I'm weak about that and then do things to eliminate the temptations of my weakness, right? We understand that. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to our service to God. There are things that tempt us. I'm tempted about things that may be no temptation to you at all, and vice versa. You may be tempted about something that poses no threat to me whatsoever, but we are tempted, right? And we have our areas of weakness. Uh, There are things that tempt us. There are situations that we might get in that we understand are very tempting to us. And so what do we do? I understand if that thing tempts me or that situation tempts me, then I need to stay clear away from that if I'm going to be making right choices, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul says simply, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. You've got to know yourself, right? You've got to know yourself. And you've got to be honest about that. And then you've got to make your choices accordingly. You need, need to know where you're weak. And then build your defenses against those areas of weakness. In Psalm 139, beginning 23, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a worthy prayer. And that's the kind of thing that we need to be considering in our lives. So, four principles. I hope they're helpful to us. We've got to make right choices, right? We're not victims. It's not beyond our control. We can make the choices to do the right things. These principles are are certainly necessary if we're going to succeed. And I hope that we can all be encouraged to do those very things. Thanks for your good attention this morning. We hope that it's been helpful. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Really what we've been stressing in our lesson this morning is that bottom line, the only thing that really matters is whether we're right with God or not. We have lots of concerns in life, but bottom line, none of those things are any more important. The only thing that ultimately is important is important is are we right with God? Are you a Christian this morning? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized? If not, we'd hope you make that decision without delay. We'd be get glad to sit down and study with you if you need more information. But you've got to get right with God. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithfully serving Him, you need to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.